it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. After an excellent Revolution pay-per-view on Sunday, AEW tried to keep the momentum going tonight with a live dynamite from Sacramento, highlighted by a TNT championship match with the new champion Wardlow defending his title against Powerhouse Hobbs, who won the Face of the Revolution ladder match last Wednesday on Dynamite. Uh, Normally they do that at the pay-per-view, but we had a one-hour Ironman match, which I will tell you, I am surprised they did not push that harder tonight than they did. We had a couple of pre-tape promos from MJF and Brian Danielson, but I thought that was one of the greatest matches in the history of the company, and the best Ironman match that I personally have ever seen and I'm a little surprised they didn't push it harder than uh, you know than I would have, but uh, we'll get to that. But Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs, and poor Wardlow has had a rough few days. Wardlow had his car, for those who didn't see, in San Francisco. He had his rental car broken into, and they took everything. They took his gear, they took his boots, they took his TNT championship. So Wardlow comes into the show tonight to defend his title against Powerhouse Hobbs, and he loses. Wardlow lost his TNT championship twice in 24 hours. This poor bastard. That's when I thought things couldn't get any worse for this guy. Powerhouse Hobbs, the brand new TNT champion, but he did not do it alone. He needed help. And who did he get help from? Of all people, he got help from QT Marshall. QT Marshall comes out and gives him the assist. And that is how Powerhouse Hobbs becomes the TNT champion. I'm very happy that Powerhouse Hobbs has gold for the first time here. Singles gold in AEW. I think that's very cool. I think it's overdue. I'm very happy for him. But... As far as how they went about doing it in the finish of that match and, and what they did in the finish of the match, I was enjoying the main event. I think the fans and the crowd were enjoying the main event until the finish. And the finish went over like a wet fart. It just completely just deflated the entire crowd. A, a, as flat of a finish as you could possibly have to what up to that point I thought was a very fun brawl since they turned it into a false count anywhere match happy for Hobbs not so happy for Wardlow just won the championship back at Revolution what did I say when I did the pay-per-view review on on Sunday night I said I have a feeling that he's not going to hold on to that title for very long just the feeling I had I said I don't think this is going to be a very long run for him as the champion I think he's going to be right back in the chase spot and here we are but The other issue I have with this, especially with that flat finish and watching what they did, we had an announcement tonight, everybody. Another announcement from Tony Khan. He had something else to say. 
To his credit, though, they did not promote this in advance. So they didn't make you wonder, oh, what's Tony Khan's big announcement going to be? They just said, and now let's go to Tony Khan, the president and CEO of the company, who has an announcement to make. And there was Tony Khan in the back to announce that on television next week, they're going to be in Winnipeg. We are going to have an All-Atlantic Championship match, but it would be the final defense of the All-Atlantic title. And I got excited, and I said, well, the most useless title in this company, it looks like it's about to be retired. No, it is not being retired, it is being renamed. The All-Atlantic Championship going forward as of next week will now be the AEW International title. And I bring this up because even though I think that it is the most useless title in this company, I look at how the All-Atlantic Championship has been booked with Orange Cassidy as the champion. Or even if you want to go back to when Pac held the title. Pac was defending it on international shows, and they were show, they were airing that on Dark, and I thought that was kind of cool. Orange Cassidy has been the All-Atlantic champion now for a little while, and apparently his segments are doing well because he keeps getting featured on television in the opening segment, and he has now defended his championship successfully against multiple people. We have seen him on television against Jay Lethal. We have seen him on television against Wheeler Yuta. We've seen him against... Uh, Big Bill last week, right? He's been defending that championship. He's been a fighting champion. We are now in a position where the All-Atlantic Championship feels more valuable and more important than the TNT Championship, which when Cody Rhodes had the championship, when it was first introduced, he said, I don't like people calling this a secondary title, right? This is not a this is not a secondary title. This title is it's on par with the world championship. That's how much it means. Does anybody actually feel that way about the TNT Championship? Now, can you honestly tell me that the TNT Championship feels like it is anywhere close to being on the level of the AEW World Championship? The answer is no. I'll answer the question for you. It was rhetorical. The answer is no. But the All-Atlantic title, I think, has surpassed the TNT title in value in this company, which is ridiculous because that All-Atlantic title doesn't even need to exist. Doesn't serve a real purpose. But that's kind of where I feel we're at now. And my hope is that Powerhouse Hobbs can restore that TNT title to what it used to be, where it used to feel like an important title. It felt important when Darby Allen had it and he was defending it, right? It doesn't feel that way now. And I'd like to think that Hobbs can 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 do that, but it's not up to Hobbs, obviously. It's all about the booking. It's about what they what they choose to do, and how they choose to book Hobbs. So it was a mixed bag. Happy for Hobbs, not happy with the way that all went down and the fact that the TNT title now really feels like an afterthought in many ways. We also had the Blackpool Combat Club on this show. We have gotten a lot of hints about the Blackpool Combat Club turning heel in recent weeks. Tonight, they basically made it official. It can no longer be debated about whether or not the Blackpool Combat Club are heels, uh, because that's exactly how they came off tonight. In a match with the Dark Order, when the match was over, attacking the Dark Order after the bell, who are still beloved by a lot of AEW fans. And Hangman Page, who said that he was done with John Moxley, then came out to make the save, and he got beaten down. It looks like Hangman Page may not be done with John Moxley, which I don't understand at all. And I'm not going to assume that they're going to still be feuding for much longer, but if they are... Uh, that's a mistake because I think everybody is about 
ready to move on here as far as Moxley and Hangman goes. I could see there being a trios match out of this, but I am certainly hoping that we are not getting an extended version of this feud here with John Moxley and Hangman Page because that would be, shall we say, questionable. As some of the things on this show were. Even the Jeff Jarrett thing. Jeff Jarrett is getting a championship match next week. Questionable. He goes from challenging for the tag team championship to challenging for the All-Atlantic, now international championship. So how much longer before Jeff Jarrett is challenging for the TNT title? Why don't we just get him in the ring with MJF next month? Maybe that could be our double or nothing main event. (laughs) Does this guy have some kind of clause in his contract? When it comes to uh, championships in this company, I don't I don't quite understand it. I know he still does a good job of getting heat. I get that. But do we really need to be seeing Jeff Jarrett in this revo- in this revolving door of championship matches in this company? The biggest pop of the night though went for FTR. These people love Dax and Cash. They got cheered like megastars when they came out on this show. And they I thought they had a great promo. Right to the point, talking about the guns and making their mission statement known that they are going back after the tag team titles. They're doing it not only for themselves, they're doing it for the Briscoes, and they're doing it for the fans. And the people like that, and I did too. So it was a very mixed bag, I thought. There were things I really liked on this show, and there were other things that just made me shake my head. As far as the uh, momentum and where it takes them, we'll see. The next pay-per-view now is Double or Nothing. We got a long time before we get to Double or Nothing. We've got something like 11 weeks. That's a big gap there. And so we're going to see where where things go now. They started to take some new directions on the show, like I said, with the Blackpool Combat Club, new TNT champion crowned. Uh, we had a, an explanation from Ruby Soho about her turn at Revolution, which I thought was very good and actually made a lot of sense. That was one of the segments I liked. So let's get into it here. This is your AEW Dynamite review for Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. I am the Sala Monster. For the third time, we had Orange Cassidy defending the All-Atlantic Championship against Jay Lethal. That was our opener here tonight. They came into this match tonight tied at one win apiece. Lethal won the first match they had back in August, or I should say Cassidy won their uh, first match. Wait a minute, was it Lethal who won a Lethal one, I thought? I'm trying to remember now who won the August match. I think that would have been Lethal. Lethal won the match back in August. Cassidy won the match they had back in January. Here we are in March. This was their third time uh, in the ring together. The last two times that these two guys got in the ring here on this television show for a match, both of those quarter-hour ratings hit a million viewers. Right? Everybody loves making a big deal about the ratings, and they go up and they go down, and... My God, it's like a civil war every week on social media. It's why I don't really talk about the ratings as much anymore. Unless there's a big drop or a or a big climb in the ratings that's worth talking about, I, I try to stay away from it now because people just are out of their minds when it comes to, uh, it's like a religious experience for some of these people, the way they discuss the ratings and they, they come at each other with their torches and their pitchforks. Uh, I try not to get involved, but it is interesting that these two tend to do well together when they're in the ring and their segment comes on television. Their match in January actually was AEW's most watched uh, match of the entire year so far. In the first three months of the year, they did over 1.2 million viewers. So there is something about seeing Jay Lethal and Orange Cassidy together in the ring that uh, people seem to like. 
So Tony Khan said, let's do it again. And we got that in the opener tonight. Uh, This is also the fourth straight week that we have had Orange Cassidy in the opening segment on this show. So his segments must be doing well. It would not be an AEW show without there being some audio issues. And as Jay Lethal, I believe, was coming out to make his entrance uh, before the match started, for a few seconds, we could hear the announcers over the PA system. At first, I couldn't figure out what, was, what the hell was going on. And then I heard Taz, like the voice of God, over the PA system. Lord Taz was talking to us for about five seconds before they were able to fix the issue, it's whatever the, the issue was. Goonthar. Jerry Lawler loves Goonthar, the magnificent. All hail Goonthar. Yes, Maroa. Dropping a $50 Super Chat drop. Man, that came from deep within. That came from deep within my soul. Dropping 50 bucks. Did I mute myself? I think I did. I think I muted myself. <laughs> I I was so proud of how that sounded. I was so proud. And I, I accidentally muted myself. And so you guys didn't hear how how from deep within... And it makes me sad, because I think that was my best Gunthar to date, and you guys will never hear it now. (laughs) I love how I just went, by the way, (laughs) I love how I just went from talking about AEW's audio issues, and literally at the moment that I am talking about AEW having audio issues, I had a fucking audio issue. You know what that is? I don't know if that's irony, or I don't know what that is, but... All I know is that uh, you got to be careful about what you say because sometimes it comes back to bite you on the ass. So <laughs> there you go. I'll take I'll take that on the chin. Jay Lethal. Uh, he worked over Cassidy's knee. They were outside the ring. Lethal picked him up at one point and drove him uh, into the ring post with a knee breaker. So very early in this match, Jay Lethal was working over uh, Orange Cassidy's knee. Now he caught a break. When he caught Lethal with a diving DDT from the top rope, uh, but Lethal came right back with the figure four leg lock. Cassidy made it to the bottom rope. Lethal went for a top rope elbow drop. Cassidy, though, got his knees up, which may not have been the smartest thing, given that uh, his knee was injured, and so he was selling the knee again, like, ah, that might not have been a good idea. He tried for the orange punch, uh, but he got caught with a cutter. Lethal tried for the lethal injection, but he had been uh, selling a a, a shoulder injury, a left shoulder injury earlier in the match. So when Lethal went uh, for the lethal injection, in mid-move, as he was trying to kind of like propel himself over, he collapsed under his own weight, and he grabbed his shoulder. And when he got back up, Cassidy hit the orange punch, and he pinned him to retain the All-Atlantic Championship. M. Mills. Just gifted five more channel memberships to a whole bunch of people in the live chat. So say thank you to M. Mills. Thank you very much. I thought it was a solid opener uh, without a lot of the silliness that people sometimes complain about when it comes to uh, Orange Cassidy matches. There really wasn't um, hardly any of that. He played it straight here in this match. He spent most of the match selling the knee injury, uh, before making the comeback in the end. After the match, Lethal grabbed the Golden Globe Award 
that he's been running around with. And he was going to bring it back into the ring. Bryce Remsburg grabbed him, and he started backing Lethal up the ramp, telling him to go to the back. While that was happening, and Orange Cassidy was in the ring and he had his back turned, Jeff Jarrett comes up from behind Orange Cassidy, and he gives him the stroke. Then he broke his guitar over Cassidy's injured left knee. Best friends ran down to the ring to chase Jarrett off into the crowd. So Jeff Jarrett goes from challenging for the AEW Tag Team titles on Sunday to challenging now next Wednesday for the All-Atlantic Championship. This has been quite... This has been quite the last... I mean, when did he come into the company? He probably came into AEW, what, August? September? Somewhere around there, right? Because he got fired from WWE in July when Vince stepped down. So I'd say the last six six to eight months has been a very interesting period. Obviously, he just lost his father, which was very sad. But I'm talking like business-wise, right? To be hired by WWE to be their head of live events... Things seem to be going well. Their live event business has been up, you know, even under him when he first started that job. Then there was the changeover. Triple H wanted to bring in his own people, so he brings in Road Dog. He gets rid of Jeff Jarrett. The roadie replaces Double J. And Double J, he always finds a way to land softly and safely somewhere. Soft landing. Everyone's talking about inflation here in this country. And the Fed, we're going to have a soft landing. We're going to have a hard landing. Jeff Jarrett always manages to land very softly. He, he's like a cat. He always lands on his feet. This guy, man, he's got, he just has the best luck. So now he gets another championship match next week. Good for him. Good for him. He, he's a, uh, a very cunning veteran. Ricky Starks was out to the ring next for a promo. Now, Ricky Starks is someone they got right at Revolution. He got another win over Chris Jericho, exactly what he needed. He needed to beat Jericho twice to prove the first win was not a fluke. And now I was waiting to see what do they have in mind next for Ricky Starks. He said he's been having a hell of a week after beating Chris Jericho at Revolution. Week after week, he says, he has been taking down the Jericho Appreciation Society, which, by the way, is a lie. Quite the opposite, actually. The Jericho Appreciation Society were kind of making him look like a chump there for a while. But he says the question now is, what's next? And the answer is, he's not sure. He said, but the question that weighs on him is not what uh, he's going to be doing next, but where he is going to go next. All of a sudden, we saw the Bullet Club logo. And then he was attacked from behind by Juice Robinson, who planted him with a DDT. Excalibur thought that he had left Bullet Club, he said, but apparently not. So I don't know what's going on with Juice as far as Bullet Club. I think it was just a diversion. I don't think he's uh, back in Bullet Club or anything like that. If if the plan is Ricky Starks against Juice Robinson, I I like Juice. I, I like lots of Juice. I like orange Juice mostly. Mostly. But I like Juice. He's uh, a guy who have has not really been featured hardly at all since AEW signed him. He had a match on television against Moxley. I think Moxley was the champion at that point. It was an eliminator match. You can count how many times we've seen Juice Robinson on Dynamite since then and still have plenty of fingers left over. So if they're going to do Ricky Starks and Juice Robinson, then it's on Tony Khan 
and the creative forces in AEW, i.e. Tony Khan, to heat up juice, let people know what's so special about this guy. Why should we care? What's his history with Bullet Club? All right. Don't make any assumptions that everybody is going to necessarily know. I mean, they kind of did that with the Forbidden Door thing last year, but that that show was clearly, you know, geared toward a particular audience. If this is what Ricky Starks is going to be doing now, uh, I just think they have to tell us more about, you know, Juice's time in New Japan and, and you know, maybe throw him in some matches on TV to give him some showcase wins instead of just throwing him out there cold, which is what this is. That is, of course if this is where this is headed. Is it a diversion of some kind? Is, are they actually bringing in Jay White to, you know, when I saw the Bullet Club logo, I for whatever reason, I thought of Jay White, even though Jay White is no longer in Bullet Club. He was replaced by David Finley. So that really wouldn't make a lot of sense. And I think, I still think Jay White is ending up in WWE. Uh, but if they're going to go with Ricky and Juice, I think, you know, if they want to do that, that's fine. I don't see that being a big program that you're going to drag this out for the next few months for. Uh, but if it's a way to get juice on television and they can have, you know, a couple of competitive matches, Ricky Starks goes over in the end before moving on to, you know, the real program he's going to have heading into Las Vegas at the end of May. I'm okay with that. And Juice Robinson and Ricky Starks in a match I think can be very good, but it's just, it's cold. So... You know, give us a reason to care. We'll see if, if Juice goes out there next week and cuts a promo and explains himself why he did what he did. Is there some sort of Bullet Club tie-in, or was that just a diversion? Hopefully we'll find out next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tony Schiavone was in the back, and he was with the then, but no longer, uh, TNT champion Wardlow, dressed in a uh, seven-star FTR tank top, which he said he he got from some friends. uh, After his car was broken into the other night, like I said, they took everything. They took his boots, they took his gear, they took his title. So he said uh, a couple of friends let him borrow their clothes. He then challenged Powerhouse Hobbs to make their TNT title match tonight. Falls count anywhere. Anything goes. Which, of course, he would because he has no gear. So let's just have a street fight because that's all I got. I got this tank top and I don't have much else. So he laid down the gauntlet to Powerhouse Hobbs. Back to the ring. Renee Paquette was in the ring to introduce us to Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho for her uh, Why Ruby Why promo. And I thought it did a very good job 
of giving us a plausible explanation for why she did what she did at Revolution. Ruby said the fans created this monster. And I will tell you that at first, uh, when she said that, I rolled my eyes. I said, here we go again. We are getting one of the you people promos. We, we have seen a lot of this in WWE. We've seen a lot of this in wrestling in general. You people. You people caused me to do this. You people. You people. Right? So that's I thought this was just going to be a basic, generic you people promo. You created this monster. Her very first title match in AEW at Grand Slam was against Britt Baker. And when Britt beat her, the fans were thrilled. And they were, actually. I was, uh, I was in the crowd that night. They were thrilled. Fast forward to the semifinals of the Owen Hart tournament, where she uh, actually was that was that the Grand Slam show that I uh, that I was at? No, that wasn't. She's talking about Grand Slam in twenty twenty one. I was not at that show. I was at Grand Slam in twenty twenty two, but I did see the match, and she's right. She is right. People were uh, cheering for Britt Baker even then. So fast forward to last May. Semifinals of the Owen Hart tournament where she wrestled another homegrown AEW star in Chris Statlander. The first name, the first time we've heard Chris Statlander's name mentioned on TV in many months. Uh, I still think she's at least a couple of months, maybe maybe a little bit longer, probably maybe uh, three ish, three or four months away, maybe from coming back. I think from when she had the surgery. So she had the match with Chris Statlander, and after she beat Statlander, the fans booed her out of the damn building. Which, again, she's not wrong when she says that. Then at Revolution, when their favorite homegrown star, Jamie Hayter, pinned her in the middle of the ring, she realized then that nobody was ever going to come to her defense. She said nobody was ever going to be mad when she lost. And she's not the only one to not feel appreciated. Tony Storm is the same. They didn't even have the decency when she won the women's championship to call her the women's champion. Instead, they went around calling her the interim champion. Then Soraya came out of retirement, and all the fat, neck-bearded, mouth-breathing trolls came at her at a moment's notice. She says they've been outcasts since the day they came into AEW, and they came here to help rebuild the women's division. You can't rebuild on broken foundations. You can only demolish and start new. She said the broken foundation are all of the entitled little shits in the back and the rookies that think they deserve the world because Tony Khan and all the fans give it to them. Speaking of entitled rookie, she said, let's bring out another homegrown in Sky Blue. And out came Sky Blue. Uh, I like that. I like that promo. I like that promo a lot. Uh, And she's absolutely right about the crowd reactions that she got in every single one of those examples that she gave. She's absolutely right. I love how she tied it back into, this is how I have been treated so far in this company every step of the way. You know, when she debuted, I think she was the Joker, right, in the Casino Battle Royal. It might have been, I guess it would have been all out two years ago. She got a big reaction when she came out. People were happy to see her. But in these different examples that she gave here, Uh, let's say the crowd reaction was less than stellar for Ruby Soho. And really, through no fault of her own, you know, it wasn't anything that she did wrong. It was just that she was in the ring with people who were more over than she was at that time. So I like the fact that uh, not only does she point that out, but all of those matches, the match with Britt, the match with Statlander, the triple threat on Sunday with 
hater in there. All came against AEW Originals. All homegrown AEW talent. And I thought maybe she ought to throw in Ty Mello in there as well. You know, her string of bad luck because she got a broken nose when she was in the ring with her. But then I realized Ty Mello is not an AEW homegrown talent. She came from NXT, so that doesn't really count. That uh, I guess that wouldn't really work. But I think Ruby's explanation for uh, why she wants to destroy the AEW Originals resonated better than anything we have heard from Soraya or Tony Storm in any of the promos that they have done since they started this angle. This right here was the explanation that I have been waiting for. It made sense. You can relate to it and say, you know what? She's right. She kind of has a point. She has a right to feel the way that she does. Now, I don't know. That, that may have been by design that we hadn't gotten that promo yet from Soraya and Tony. Maybe they were waiting for that third person to join with them and they were going to let Ruby be the one to cut the promo. Ruby cut the promo for all three of them here, right? She mentioned herself. She mentioned Soraya. She mentioned Tony Storm. So I'll give them a little bit of credit and, and assume that maybe this was done by design. That's why it took this long to get this explanation. If not, it could have just been a case where Tony Khan realized that we need to try to give an explanation for this. And this is what they came up with. Uh, but I would I would like to think that this is what they had in mind the entire time. But I just thought this was a very good explanation. Ruby came off as more of a leader than Soraya does. Because Soraya, I think Soraya is the one who's, I mean, I guess you could say her and Tony kind of come off on equal footing. I don't know. Soraya has kind of come across to me as the de facto sort of uh, lead voice, right, of this little group. But if they're going to have a leading voice, Ruby came off as more of a leading voice here than either one of them ever had. Now, Ruby beat Sky Blue with Destination Unknown uh, with the help of a uh, hair pull. Soraya and Tony came down after the match with their green spray paint. They started spraying Sky Blue green. When Willow Nightingale ran down to the ring, she tried to talk some sense into Ruby. These two have been friends. These two have been partners. When they had that hardcore tag team match a few months ago on Rampage where Ruby basically lost all the blood in her body. Uh, she was teaming with Willow in that match. That was the same match where poor Anna Jay got powerbombed off the stage, completely missed the table, and got powerbombed on the floor. And come to think of it, now that I mention that, I don't believe that we have lost, that we have uh, seen, well, we have lost her. <laughs> I don't think we've seen Anna Jay since. And I think I remember her doing an interview, or maybe, maybe she made a comment on social media. It might have been a tweet where I think she was answering a question, and she said that I think in that match she actually had dislocated ribs, which sounds very painful. I don't know if that's why we haven't seen her all that much, but uh, yeah, I don't think, I, I, I have not seen her in a match, I don't think, since then. So anyway, Willow and, and Ruby have been friends and uh, off and on partners for, for a while. Soraya and Tony then attacked Willow from behind. Ruby dropped her with the no future. And then all three spray-painted Willow and Sky Blue. I like Willow. I like Willow Nightingale. She comes out. She's always such a positive person, but she's, she's a good wrestler. She's fun to watch. And she's actually challenging Athena for the Ring of Honor Women's Championship on Episode 2 of ROH uh, tomorrow night. But if we're getting Ruby and Willow one-on-one, -on -one, then uh, I'm all for it. I'm all for them doing a singles match. Renee was in the back. 
with Hangman Page, the man who beat her husband and tried to, frankly, maim and murder her husband on Sunday at Revolution. She was uh, awfully calm. She's very, uh, very professional. Very professional. EJ Slamp in the chat says, I want my man Solomonster to know. What do you want Solomonster to know? What what does EJ want Solomonster to know? If it's in a super chat, I will I promise you I will get to it. So Renee was with Hangman Page in the back, who was sporting a black eye after his uh <laughs> barbed wire last man standing Texas death match, we'll call it, on Sunday. That match was uh, a little, it was a little bit of everything. More so than a Texas death match. It was uh, more of a barbed wire match than anything else. He said, let that match be a warning. If you want to try him, he will take you to hell. And he apologized to Renee for what she had to see on Sunday. But if she has to blame somebody, she says, don't, or he said, don't look at him. Don't look at me. Don't blame me. As far as Moxley, after Texas death, as far as I'm concerned, we're finished. Liar. Liar. As we would see later in the show, it does not appear that Moxley is in fact done with Hangman, or Hangman is done with Moxley. But I, you know, I said coming out of the pay-per-view on Sunday that with Hangman beating Moxley at Revolution, and MJF needing an opponent for double or nothing, Hangman Page would appear to me to be the man that they are going to slot in there as the next challenger for MJF's championship. Now, Hangman was in the main event of double or nothing last year. He was defending the title against CM Punk. I think this year he'll be challenging MJF, which I think is fine, because these two go back to the very beginning of AEW. In fact, it might even go back to the very first match I can remember seeing in AEW, which I think was a battle royal, and if I remember, I think they were both involved in that. So there's you know, there's a history there, a little bit of a history there with them going back to the very beginning. But again, MJF has plenty of people, plenty of potential challengers up and down that roster. I, I was listing them all off the other night, from Hangman Page to Adam Cole, CM Punk, if he ever comes back, which 50-50 at this point. Uh, Kenny Omega down the line. You know, the whole idea that I talked about with Sting, title against career, that then leads to a program with MJF and Darby Allen. You get to the early part of next year, you still have Wardlow. You've got Ricky Starks. There's so many different people who could challenge MJF for that championship because he's not losing it anytime soon. So if they want to do Hangman at double or nothing, I think that would certainly make sense, especially him beating Moxley. Where do you go after that, right? If you beat John Moxley, would it not make sense for Hangman to challenge for the world title? I think it would. Seeing what they did with him later in the show now, I'm not so sure. But speaking of MJF, we got a video, a post-revolution backstage promo from a bloody MJF after his win over Brian Danielson in the Iron Man match. And he boasted that he beat Brian, said that he had horns grown out of his head. I told you, uh, El, El uh, Diablo Blanco is the, uh, the white devil. He said that he'll be in Winnipeg next Wednesday on his birthday, and he is going to have his re-bar mitzvah. 
we are getting a bar mitzvah for MJF in Canada next week. Now, that's going to be must-see television. That's going to be must-see TV. Now, for those who are unaware of Jewish customs, you're not truly a man until you turn 13. And when you turn 13 years old, you get a bar mitzvah. And you get, you know, they tutor you for weeks, if not months, leading up to your bar mitzvah. You learn, you know, all the things you got to go up on stage and all the, the prayers and all the shit that you got to read. And then it's like, all right, let's get that out of the way. Let's get to the party. And then you have a big party, right? So it's fun. A bar mitzvah is fun. Not to be confused with a bris. There was one person who said, wait a minute, are they gonna are they gonna cut off MJ? No. That is a bris. That is different than a bar mitzvah. There will be no snipping of MJF on television next week. And if there is, I'm turning to a different channel. That is not what a bar mitzvah is. Do not confuse the two. <laughs> he is not getting snipped again. There will be no moil next week doing the snipping on dynamite. It's a very different uh, a very different custom. Oh, boy. Anyway. Tony Schiavone was in the ring next to interview Dax and Cash after FTR's return at Revolution. Tony could barely get his first question out. This crowd was so loud, chanting for FTR, that it was actually... You know, you never really know when you take some time away, as hot as these guys were on television, you never really know when you come back, you let some time go by, all the social media drama and Dax on his podcast, and right, you never know what kind of reaction you're going to get when you come back. Now, they got a big reaction the other night. They got a bigger reaction coming out tonight in Sacramento than even what they got in San Francisco. This was a standing ovation that these people gave Dax and Cash. Cash Wheeler said that they lost three sets of tag team belts in the span of a month. Then they lost one of their best friends in the wrestling world and in the world period, and that got Jay Briscoe chance. Is it wrong that I, at first, at the first time he said that, is it wrong that I thought he was referring to CM Punk? <laughs> at first I thought he was referring to CM Punk, but... Uh, No, he was talking about Jay Briscoe. He says they know that they needed to step away, but he can't sit at home in good conscience and watch the Guns call themselves the best tag team in the wrestling world. He said they're good, they're good, but they're also a couple of disrespectful little assholes. Their father gave them everything. He says, my father couldn't give me that, but my father did teach me how to fight, and he taught me how to be respectful. Dax took the microphone at that point and said that he's talked about how much he cares about his wife and his daughter. You know, people have heard him talk about that before. But he wants to talk about how much he cares about the fans. For as much as they've supported him, how much it truly means to him to get that kind of love. They showed him so much love, he loves them too. In December, they closed the book on the greatest trilogy of matches that they have had in their entire career. And even though they didn't win that night, talking about final battle, they know that they did something special. But that was taken away by the guns. Now it's time for retribution, he said. Now it is time for them to get even. 
It would be easy to fight you and beat your asses, but that would be too easy. He says, we've got to become the AEW Tag Team Champions. We have to do it for us. We have to do it for the Briscoes. And we have to do it for each and every single one of you. Uh, This was a great promo. Great babyface promo. Right to the point, letting us know what their mission statement is. Here's why we're back. Here's who we're going after. And here's why we need to beat you. Here's why we need to be the AEW Tag Team Champions. This is more than just a wrestling match to them. It's personal. They're doing it for themselves. They're doing it for the fans. But they're doing it for the Briscoes as well. And with them leaning so hard on the Briscoes stuff, how do they go in there and lose? How does FTR go in there with the guns after a promo like this and lose? Now, I don't know when they're planning on doing this match. You you still have 11 weeks, right? It's about 11 weeks or so until double or nothing. So they were not in the ring tonight cutting a promo for a tag team title match that we're not getting until Memorial Day weekend. So they may do it on television. Maybe they don't win. Come back, do a rematch, a double or nothing. I think this will be a, a bit of an extended program, would be my guess. Or, you know, they could just, ha- I guess they could have them fight for it, but it's kind of like the MJF thing where you make them jump through hoops, I guess. Uh, there's no rankings anymore. They pretty much abandon the rankings in this company. So it's just a matter of how do they fill the gap? When do they do that first championship match? Uh, but this was always the direction that made sense. When FTR and if FTR came back, that they would go after the guns because the guns were the ones who threw a funeral for them on television and embarrassed them. And so now they come back for revenge and they could take back the titles that, I mean, when's the last time we saw them with those tag team titles, right? When the Bucks probably beat them for it. How long ago was that? God, when was it? 2020? 2021? I don't even know. That whole pandemic period of Daily's Place to me, honestly, as far as dates and stuff, it's just kind of like a blur. It all sort of blends together for me. It's been a while. We saw them with Ring of Honor Tag Team Gold last year, IWGP, AAA, everything but the AEW Tag Team titles. It's long overdue for FTR to get another run with those belts. But this was great. This is a great promo. Renee was in the back, and she was with the undefeated 53-0 and Jade Cargill, the TBS champion. And Jade said, seeing as how they're going to Canada next week, Let's bring out the best that Canada has. And she challenged one of you whack-ass Canadians to come challenge me for my TBS championship. Yeah, I was thinking who, who it could be. I don't know all of the female free agents that are from Canada, but the first name and the only name really that jumped out to me was Taya, Taya Valkyrie. I don't know what her contract status is right now or you know where she's spending most of her time. I thought of Ty. I don't think Ty is from Winnipeg specifically, but I know Ty is from Canada, so could be Taya. But uh, other than that, I don't know. I don't know who it could be. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Top flight and AR Fox against John, uh, not John Moxley, uh, Chris Jeff. I'm getting my former world champions mixed up here. Top Flight and AR Fox against Chris Jericho, Daniel Garcia, and Sammy Guevara. Jake Hager hit Darius Martin in the back with Jericho's baseball bat with referee Aubrey's attention uh, diverted, which made her look very stupid. On International Women's Day, no less, she was made to look like a fool. Jericho then dropped Darius with the Judas Effect to win it for the Jericho Appreciation Society who delivered a promo uh, in the ring after the uh, match where Matt Menard reminded us that today was the one-year anniversary of the Jericho Appreciation Society being formed. One-year anniversary. It feels like double that. But apparently it was the one-year anniversary. Yeah, I mean, there are people, I mean... Am I wrong when I said that Taya, I, I could have sworn Taya was from from Canada. Are people just surprised by this, or are they telling me that she's not from Canada? Because <laughs> I thought she was from uh, either Vancouver or, I want to say Vancouver. Uh, but if I'm wrong, let me know. I, I'm almost positive she's from Canada. Taya's been doing a lot of things lately. I think she's been, I, I think she's doing stuff with MLW right now, Impact. I don't know if she's wrestling elsewhere. So I don't even know that she would necessarily be available. But, again, she she's the first name that popped into my head. So, yeah, Taya is Canadian. See, I knew I wasn't crazy. People are surprised. You know, there was a reality show uh, many years ago, Lance Storm was the lead train. It was almost like a version of, of Tough Enough in a way. And, uh, oh, God, I can't remember the name of it. it. It didn't last long. I don't even know if it went a full season. But I think Taya may have been on that show. Somebody can look that up and remind me of what the name of that show was and if Taya was part of the cast. I, I, I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. I thought maybe she was on that show. It was. Uh, it only aired in Canada. There was a channel up there called uh, The Cave. I think it was called The Cave or something, and it aired on there. I think people are confused because yeah, I think that's true. I think she, people are confused because she's she works she's worked a lot in Mexico, so people just may not realize that she's originally from Canada. So anyway, back to the JAS. One year anniversary since they've been formed. Daniel Garcia said that they should be number one contenders for the trios titles. Chris Jericho then challenged the House of Black to get their asses out to the ring. The lights went out, and we heard Carry On My Wayward Son and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks walked out onto the stage. The now former trios champs. Omega said for the better part of three years, we have stayed away from each other. We have stayed out of each other's lane. But when you talk about the trio's titles 
And at that moment, before he could finish his, his thought, Don Callis interrupted. And Callis took the microphone to address Jericho himself. He said, everyone knows that it was the elite that established the trio's titles. And after their match at Revolution, it's clear that they are the number one contenders and not you guys. He said that he and Jericho have been friends for 33 years. And he acknowledged him as one of the greatest of all time. But, unfortunately, you are only the second best wrestler from Winnipeg. And he said that, I feel like if I had a couple of months to train Jericho, you would be number three. You would be the third best wrestler from Winnipeg. The lights went out, and the House of Black popped up in video form up on the big screen with Malachi Black telling all of them uh, that they are both equally as deserving of being humiliated in their hometown. So, next week, if you want these titles, the lights then went out again. This is getting very tiresome. When they came on, the House of Black was in the aisle. They were standing in between the elite who were on stage and the Jericho Appreciation Society who were in the ring. And Malachi finished his sentence. He said, come get him, as he held up the trio's titles. The lights then went out again. Can somebody please tell Tony Khan to pay his fucking electric bill? (laughs) They went out again, and they were out for a while this time, like a good 10 to 15 seconds. And when they came back on, the House of Black was nowhere to be found. I was kind of hoping they would just, for the sake of, of, you know, they're in Winnipeg next week, do a singles match, Omega versus Jericho. Right, the match we got at Wrestle Kingdom many years ago. Like a special attraction match. Jericho against Omega. One-on-one next week in Winnipeg. Uh, Instead, we're going to get a trios triple threat match, which on paper sounds like a hell of a match. It's going to be the Elite. It's going to be the House of Black. And it's going to be the JAS. It's going to be Jericho, Garcia, and Sammy for the trios titles next week. That crowd in Canada is going to be nuts. Can't complain about that. The match next week, I'm sure, is going to be great. To the back, where Tony Khan had a big announcement. Another Tony Khan announcement, which at least they did not announce the announcement in advance. So that's a plus. He said Orange Cassidy had requested a match, an open challenge match in Winnipeg next week with Double J, and he called him Double J. Jeff J. I thought he was about to spell it out. Tony Khan going to be standing there going J A F J A F J J E F. Boy, it's been a while since I got out of school. Can't you tell? J E double F J A double R E double T. My God, I remember watching on television when I was still in school, as he was going around saying J E double F J A double R E double T. And here we are now in 2023, and he is still on television, Double J Jeff Jarrett. Amazing. So he said that Orange Cassidy wants Jeff Jarrett for the All-Atlantic Championship next week. (laughs) What? Jeff Jarrett, J-E-double-I, so I said J-A. So (laughs) what? You mean to tell me you've never called him Jaff Jarrett? (laughs) First I fuck up my audio, now I'm fucking up my spelling. What's next? I'm falling apart here. 
I'm falling apart. I don't know what's wrong with me. He said next week marks the fifth and final defense of the All-Atlantic Championship on international soil. And next week, in partnership with Warner Brothers Discovery, to support the release of the new movie Shazam! Fury of the Gods, it will be Orange Cassidy against Jeff Jarrett for the AEW International Championship. And he plugged the Shazam! movie again before saying that they are... (laughs) He said this a few times. He said that we're leveling up. We are leveling up here in AEW. Is that a Shazam thing, by the way? I mean, I've heard the expression level up. I know what level up means. But, like, he said it so many times, I thought maybe that was part of the the Shazam movie. I, I don't know. He said, it, he said it so many times, it has to be part of this promotion in some way. He said, we're leveling up next week. So, basically, this announcement was that the All-Atlantic title is now going to be the international title. That's, that was basically the announcement. The championship is being renamed. The title itself might change, like the look of the title, possibly. I, I mean, it doesn't have to. It's got different flags on it. They don't have to change anything about the physical belt. They're just changing the name. It's going from All-Atlantic to International. I am indifferent to the change. I don't care because I think the title is is the most useless title of all the titles on the show. This one has been the most useless. This one was not needed in the first place. So when he started talking, I thought he was talking about the final defense. I thought he was retiring the title. I said, okay, good. That makes sense, right? But no, they're just renaming the uh, championship. The Shazam tie-in, the movie tie-in, yes, it was corny. And and Tony, you know, it's always awkward on on television. But yes, it's a corny tie-in. But you know what? If you're Tony Khan... You need to please your uh, network overlords. And that cannot be a bad thing to have more synergy instead of less with Warner Brothers Discovery now of all times, given the significance of this year and what's coming up in these next several months. If they come to Tony and say, hey, we want you to find a way to tie in this new Shazam movie, Tony Khan's answer is, yes, sir. You got it, sir. This is going to be great, I promise you. Because he has to look at this and say this is a positive thing. If they want to do more of this stuff with us, they did the Shark Week thing, right? They've done all kinds of of, uh, promotions for various movies and TV shows and apparently have been very pleased with how they've done. That can't be anything but a positive thing for AEW. So if you're Tony Khan, of course, you love this. You're more than happy to do it, even though it comes off uh, very forced because he was talking about Warner Brothers Discovery and I'm thinking are they announcing another show they just announced the AEW All Access show are they adding another show there are rumors that there might be another show there's rumors that Tony Khan is looking for another show on Saturdays at 6.05pm on TBS like WCW Saturday Night used to air I mean I don't know how uh, legit those uh, rumors are but That's what I thought this might be. And then it's like, oh, well, Shazam, and uh, we have a new international title. Okay. (laughs) I don't see what what the big deal is, but there you go. The All-Atlantic title is now the international title. So there you go. If you didn't, as uh, 
Hit Row would say. If you didn't know, now you know. Maybe we can get uh, Flop Dollar to do a rap about the new international title. So after we saw footage earlier of the post-revolution promo from MJF, all bloody in the back, talking about the match with Brian Danielson, we got footage of Brian Danielson. After his loss in the Iron Man match, he was bloody and sweaty and tired, and he was on his knees in the back, tears in his eyes, very emotional. Uh, There was footage from after the show on Sunday of him in the ring as he was being helped up. He was crying. He was in tears. So he was emotional here. He said, I always thought I was doing this for my kids. I wanted to teach them if you love something, you have to fight for it. What I realized out there is that Max is right. My whole career was about fighting and fighting and fighting and never giving up. When he woke up from being unconscious in his own label lock, his first instinct was to fight. And as he was fighting, he realized that he couldn't feel his arms and that his left leg had no strength anymore. And when Max made that comment after Revolution, or when Max uh, made the comment that after Revolution, uh, he wouldn't be able to play with his kids anymore, he realized MJF was right. So he was putting himself before his family. More than even tapping out at the end of that match, he said, that made him more ashamed than anything else. And he said, I think it's time for me to go home. So this was good stuff. Uh, Really put over how emotional Danielson was about that loss to MJF on Sunday. Uh, So it looks like he's taking time off, which makes sense to me. You know, you go out there and you put on the kind of matches that Brian Danielson has been putting on for the past five, really his whole career. But the matches that he's been having on television over the last six weeks leading into this pay-per-view to go out there and have that kind of match that he and MJF had at Revolution. If anybody deserves a break and a little bit of time off, it's Brian Danielson. And we're heading into an open period now, a lot of time between now and Double or Nothing. And I'm not even sure he'll be on the card at Double or Nothing. I think it makes sense for him to take some time off, and we don't see him back if I had a venture a guess. We may not see him back until we get closer to Forbidden Door, which will be at the end of June. Hasn't been announced officially yet, but again, the date leaked. Remember, it was one of the cable companies leaked. Did June 24th looks like the next Forbidden Door show. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see or hear from Brian Danielson until we get closer to, to June. And then he reemerges, and he'll be on that card, unless he's hurt. He ain't going to miss two years in a row of Forbidden Door. He was supposed to wrestle Zack Sabre Jr. last year. But they brought Claudio back, uh, or Claudio in, I should say, early. He was going to originally debut at the Ring of Honor show in July. Tony Khan said, well, we're going to bump you up. We're going to debut you at Forbidden Door. We never got a Brian Danielson-Zack Sabre Jr. match. I wouldn't be surprised if we get the match this year. So you know what? If anybody has deserved a few months off, let the man have a few months off. Bring him back when we get closer to Forbidden Door, and then we'll get Brian Danielson back on TV. The only thing I would say, though, after what we saw here in this next segment I'm about to talk about, given what happened, what is happening right now with the Blackpool Combat Club, I could envision a scenario where Danielson takes issue with how the Blackpool Combat Club has been acting lately, and maybe there's something there with them. When was the last time we saw Brian associating with any members of the Blackpool Combat Club? 
It's been months. He, it feels to me like he was quietly removed or he removed himself and he just hasn't been part of the group at all. And his days in the Blackpool Combat Club pretty much ended when William Regal got beat up by MJF. So I don't think he's got any association with them at all anymore. Let the man have some time off. You bring him back by June, and then they could do the match with uh, Danielson and Zack Sabre. Of course, I wouldn't mind Danielson and Okada, but I, I won't get too greedy. I'm sure we'll get that match at some point. This week's episode is sponsored by ExpressVPN. For those who don't know, data brokers are basically the middlemen when it comes to collecting and selling all those digital footprints you leave behind when you're browsing online. From those footprints, they can stitch together profiles for you that include your browsing history, your online searches, and even your location data. And then they'll sell your profile to a third party who delivers you a targeted ad. You might hear that and go, well, that's the internet, right? Well, it might not sound like a big deal, but those same data brokers may be selling your info to Homeland Security and the IRS. I don't need Mike Rotunda showing up at my doorstep. He gets enough of my money as it is. So I protect myself with ExpressVPN. Your IP address is sort of the gateway for these data brokers to tie all of your data back to you. And your unique IP address also reveals information about your location. When you're connected to ExpressVPN, your IP address is hidden. That makes it much harder for these brokers to figure out who you are. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your network traffic to keep your data safe from hackers on public Wi-Fi. That's why I have the ExpressVPN app downloaded on all my devices. All I do is tap one button to turn it on, and I'm protected. It's just that easy. So make sure your online activity and data is protected with the best VPN money can buy. Visit expressvpn.com slash solomonster right now and get three extra months free through my special link. That's expressvpn.com slash solomonster, expressvpn.com slash solomonster to learn more. So we had John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli against Alex Reynolds and John Silver of the Dark Order. Uh, the match was okay. I'm um, not... You know, Dark Order is not my thing, so they're out there, and it's like, eh. Uh, Moxley choked out Alex Reynolds until he tapped. After the match, Moxley got Reynolds in a rear naked choke, and he would not release the hold. And Claudio held the referee back, actually, in the corner. It would not allow the referee to uh, get Moxley off of Reynolds. Silver ran in, attacked Moxley, but Claudio gut-wrenched him up and just tossed him out over the top to the floor like he was nothing. Moxley put Reynolds in the bulldog choke until evil Uno ran to the ring and attacked Moxley. Uno looked to be setting up for a pile driver when Wheeler Yuta came up from behind him and chop blocked his knee. Hangman Page ran out to check on his Dark Order buddies. Claudio, I think Claudio tapped him on the back. Hangman punched him. Claudio came at him, just blasted him with a forearm, and all three members of the BCC put the boots to Hangman Page. Moxley. Claudio, Yuta, they're kicking the crap out of this guy until Uno came back in to help and referees came out to break things up. So there can be no doubt now about the alignment of the Blackpool Combat Club. Are they going heel? Are they not going heel? Is, are they just teasing it? No, they're, they're, they're heels now. And I'm for it. It's a, it's a fresh direction for them. Moxley has been a babyface now for a very long time. 
I mean, I would say for pretty much right the entirety or, or damn near the entirety of his AEW run so far. Uh, Claudio has been since he debuted last year. So it's a different direction. If they're going to keep them together, which frankly I'm not sure they even need to at this point, but if they're going to keep them together, it's a different direction for them. It opens up uh, new potential opponents now. Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite. You could do something with them. Right? So you can... You can Go in different directions. It's it's a bit of a, a fresher path, I guess, uh, for them on TV. Uh, but I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of them potentially doing more with Moxley and Hangman. Now, if they want to get a trios match out of this, have Hangman tagging with the Dark Order against the three of them, and do a television match, that's fine. But you know, look, they put the final stamp on this Moxley Hangman thing at Revolution. They did everything you could possibly do to each other in that match with bricks and chains, and barbed wire, tables, and everything everything that you could think of. There's no reason for this to continue. To the back, Mrs. Moxley was with the acclaimed and Billy Gunn, asking what's next for them. Anthony Bowen said the tag team titles are next, which brought in Matt Menard and Angelo Parker of the JAS, who said, uh, we love rap music. And they said the acclaimed, they're more sports entertainers at heart than they are pro wrestlers. And they offered them a spot with the Jericho Appreciation Society. The acclaimed laughed in their faces, saying they're on TV more than Menard and Parker are, and they walked off. And that was the that was the end of that. The main event was Falls Count Anywhere Anything Goes for the TNT Championship, with Wardlow defending against Powerhouse Hobbs, the winner of the face of the Revolution Ladder Match. They started in the parking lot backstage with Hobbs throwing Wardlow into the side of a Cadillac that was parked. Then uh, Hobbs busted the window with a uh, a keg, it looked like, when uh, Wardlow ducked. Wardlow then suplexed Hobbs onto the hood of the car. Then they climbed up onto the hood of the car, and he backdropped Hobbs onto the windshield and crack the windshield. This was all in the first 60 seconds of this match. Then in the arena, we could hear them ring the bell. And I'm thinking, what the? What's with the delay? That was a little strange. So then they rang the bell. I guess now the match is officially underway. So then they cut to a picture-in-picture break. After the break was over, they were uh, back to the ring. Wardlow hit an F10 for a near fall. I, you know, I'm not even going to call it an F10. It was an F5. The F10, you know, when he would pick guys up that were smaller than him, he would spin them in the air, and it looked it looked like an F10, right? This, this is an F5. Hit him with an F5 for a near fall. Hobbs came back with three straight spine busters and covered him, but Wardlow kicked out. Uh, there were a lot of cheers for Hobbs since they were in California. He's from Oakland. He was also cheered... Uh, the other night when he uh, won the ladder match. So it was a big week for him out on the West Coast. Hobbs pulled the table out from under the ring. Wardlow, though, grabbed a bottle of water while this was happening. And he splashed Hobbs in the face with the water, laid him out across the table. Wardlow climbed to the top rope in the ring and came diving off the top with a flying senton through powerhouse Hobbs through the table. Huge bump. Again, Wardlow, big guy, 
to be doing a senton off the top rope through a table down below. That's it's a hell of a spot. He covered Hobbs. That wasn't enough. though. Hobbs kicked out. Wardlow gave Hobbs a powerbomb on the ramp, and that is a big man to be taking a powerbomb on the ramp like that. That did not look fun. So Wardlow picked him up, and he walks with him up the ramp onto the stage right in front of the announcers. And Wardlow is setting up to powerbomb powerhouse Hobbs. It looks like he's going to powerbomb him off the stage. When all of a sudden, who should show up but Q.T. Marshall here in this main event? Q.T. Marshall shows up and hits Wardlow in the back with a steel chair. Wardlow then looks up and sees who it is, and he grabs him by the throat, and Q.T. kicks him low, and then he proceeds to hit Wardlow in the, in the head, in the face, twice with that chair. Then he helped Hobbs to his feet and he shouted at Hobbs, it's your time. It's your time. The two of them then hoisted Wardlow up and they gave Wardlow a double. I I said it was a double power bomb in my notes, but I guess it really wasn't. It was almost like a kind of like a double spine buster where they just, you know, picked him up, had him by the chest and they then slammed him off the stage. Now, that probably sounds really really impressive, right? Wow, they powerbombed him off the stage. Well, if you watched it, it really wasn't. (laughs) They powerbombed him about a foot and a half off the stage onto a giant, thin piece of what appeared to be cardboard. Now, look, I get it. Safety first. Right, I, like everybody made a big de- not everybody, but a lot of people made a big deal about all the referees getting in the ring and holding the ladder down at Dynamite last week when Hobbs climbed the ladder to you know pull down the giant ring, and even I said it looked it looked goofy, but I understood it. I would rather them hold the ladder than let the guy fall and break his neck. And I didn't realize this uh, last week when I reviewed the show, but apparently Hobbs has talked before about how deathly afraid he is of heights. So I and I went back and I watched the finish of that match. After the match is over, they have the camera lingering on Hobbs, and he is scared to fucking death. And he's looking down at the referees. He's like, "Hold it! Don't let go!" You know, and it like for him just to climb down a rung because he was on the very top of the ladder. He was t- he was you know kind of bracing himself and very slowly. So like I didn't realize at the time because I was probably taking notes down at the end of the show how scared he really was. Uh, when he pulled that thing down. So, you know, look, I'm fine with that. I don't want these guys to to do crazy stunts and get injured or anything like that, but it's the Jericho thing from that Blood and Guts match when MJF pushed him off the top of the cage, and we talked about this a lot at the time, and Jericho took that bump down below, and the way they shot it, they had the camera position right there, right? So you got a close-up shot of what looked like a just a horrendously weak-looking hilariously bad bump it just looked so stupid and my issue at the time was not that i wanted jericho to go splat and die in a spot on television but it was more like there's a way to shoot these things where it just doesn't look so phony because you want people to believe oh my god this guy he got shoved off the top of a cage or in this case wardlow oh my god he got slammed off the stage through boxes okay whatever i mean it was pretty obvious what it was but i I feel like there are ways to shoot it where you know if if you know okay this is not necessarily going to look impactful so let's shoot it in a way maybe where 
the camera's low, right? And we don't see him going through a cardboard hole or something. It's that kind of stuff that annoys me and it takes me out of the moment. Uh, not that I want to see Wardlow, you know, again, thrown to his death. There's a way, there's a way to shoot it. WWE has sort of mastered, I feel like, uh, when it comes to those uh, kinds of things. AEW still has not. So this was the big spot of the match. It didn't look good. It looked very goofy. Uh, Paul Turner laid the count on Wardlow, who had until the count of 10 to get back up to his feet. He did not. And Wardlow loses the TNT Championship for the second time in a 24-hour span. Will Hobbs, powerhouse Hobbs, wins his first TNT Championship, which suddenly reemerged. QT Marshall, all of a sudden he had the TNT title belt in his hand when the match was over so he could present it to uh, Hobbs. And he jumped into Hobbs' arms, and Hobbs caught him. This was like Shawn Michaels after he helped Diesel win the Intercontinental title in 94 on Superstars. And he leaped up. He had the title, and he jumped up into Diesel's arms. Uh, And I would not be at all. I'm sure that's exactly what QT Marshall was going for to recreate that moment. Uh, QT said recently that the factory was done. I think the comment he made was the the factory was done because they were getting so much hate uh, and and ridicule from people online, and it just wasn't fair to those guys, you know, Camarado and Solo and those guys. So the factory is no more, which means QT Marshall, he didn't have his faction, he didn't have anything to do. So now he's gone from the faction to, apparently, this is going to be the new pairing now, that's how it came off to me, him and Powerhouse Hobbs. He's going to be the new manager, mouthpiece, uh, perhaps, for Powerhouse Hobbs. That looks to be the new pairing going forward. I assume that belt that he had that they gave to Hobbs um, was the standby title. Remember when Sammy Guevara won, he had the two TNT titles? It was him and uh, Cody Rhodes. So we knew there was a second title anyway. I assume that's what this was. This was the backup title. If if Wardlow's car was uh, legitimately broken into, which until I hear otherwise, I'm going to assume that wasn't an angle and it was a shoot. It's not hard to believe because they were in San Francisco. And apparently this shit happens there all the time. I don't know why it's gotten that bad. I, I've been hearing stories about that for a while now. Uh, especially if you are a, a visitor or a tourist, like, If you leave your car, you better not leave anything of value in that car because apparently there's a better, there's a better than 50% chance your car is going to be fucking broken into if you're in San Francisco. So I know apparently it's really bad over there when it comes to that stuff. I was enjoying the match. I I enjoyed the match. I don't want the ending to to take away from the fact that I, I thought it was a good main event and I was enjoying it until the finish. Until we got to the finish, until I saw QT. And when I saw QT Marshall, I said, oh, come on. Really? We're in the main event here on this show. I saw QT, and then I saw the the dumb spot that they did, and it just took me out of it. And it was was a very flat finish. The people were even up for for the match until the finish, and it just came off as totally flat. I'm happy to see Hobbs um, finally win gold, but... I'm I'm sad for Wardlow. Now I'm sad for Wardlow, and, and not even that he lost a, a, a championship on a wrestling show. I'm sad for Wardlow because I think back to where we were a year ago. 
And a year ago at this time was a very different time for AEW because CM Punk was still there. And CM Punk had just had that chain match, the dog collar match with MJF at Revolution. And Wardlow, at this time last year, almost to the day, was riding as high as he has ever ridden in this company. When he took the dynamite diamond ring that MJF was looking for, Ember Wardlow fishing around in his pocket, oh, I can't find it. And then when Punk was laying there, suddenly he found the ring, and he laid the ring down on the mat, and he got a big pop, and he walked away. That was like that was the moment where you knew this guy is on the verge of breaking out in a big way. And it just, you could feel there was something bubbling up under the surface. This guy was ready to explode as just the biggest baby face in this company, right? That's where we were with Wardlow a year from now. And you see where he is now. And his, him having his car broken into where now he's wrestling in the main event in street clothes because he doesn't even have gear. I mean, that's just the, the, the cherry on the shit Sunday. Where he was then to where he is now, to see that fall is disgraceful because it didn't have to be that way. How did we go from that to this? It's shameful. So now he's back in the chase spot again, and, and you know maybe he'll win it back. But what does it even mean? What does it mean if he goes and beats Powerhouse Hobbs and gets the belt back? What does it mean? What does it mean for Wardlow? What does it really mean for the TNT title? You know, it's like when I say the All-Atlantic Championship to me is the most useless title in this company because it's the most recent one that they added and I just didn't think it was necessary. Some people might disagree and say that their roster is so big, you need uh, another secondary title to give people something to fight over. I'm not going to say that you're wrong. I just, I don't think the All-Atlantic title is needed. But when I say that it's the most useless title in the company, I don't think that's the case anymore. And I actually think that the All-Atlantic Championship, with Orange Cassidy now holding the title and successfully defending it every week on television, and he is over, despite what some people you know want to believe, that title now is the, is the most valuable of the secondary championships in this company. This is now what the TNT title used to be. It feels that way to me. TNT title used to feel somewhat prestigious. And it just doesn't feel that way right now. It feels like the titles have swapped. And the All-Atlantic title is now where the TNT title uh, used to be. Now, maybe that will change uh, under Powerhouse Hobbs, but it's not up to Hobbs. It's up to the booking. Cops can, cops can go out there and, and smash people, and he can only go out there and do what he can do. But it's all about how he's booked as champion and how he is positioned on the shows. And is he going to be on the shows every week, or is he going to pop up once every few weeks? That will tell the tale of whether or not Powerhouse Hobbs can restore this title to you know, the position on the card where it used to be, because uh, it has fallen. Wardlow has fallen. The title has fallen. Let's see what Hobbs can do. I'm glad he's being given the chance. I'm not thrilled about the way they got there, but he got there. He's the champion now. It looks like QT is going to be with him. I'll give it a chance. Let's see how they, let's see how they, you know, turn out as a pairing. But um, very mixed bag here. 
on the show tonight. A mix of uh, things I liked and a number of things I did not like. Rampage on Friday has Sammy Guevara against Action Andretti. The acclaimed are going to be in action. Pinosuke Takeshita is going to go one-on-one with Preston Vance. And Riho takes on Nyla Rose. I believe that was our first match to crown the uh, first-ever AEW Women's Champion. And so they're going to be wrestling on uh, Friday night. Dynamite next week has Orange Cassidy against Double J for the international title. MJF is going to be bar mitzvahed yet again. I'm waiting for my invitation. I don't know. I mean, I got my passport. So if I have to, uh, last minute, I I could get over the border. But uh, we'll see if I get an invite to this bar mitzvah. And the House of Black defend their trios titles against the Elite and the Jericho Appreciation Society. So that is the lineup for next week's show. Here is the Twitter poll. And it's a bit rough. People have not been kind to Dynamite tonight. 45% thumbs up for this show. 28.5% thumbs in the middle and 26.5% thumbs down. So we are under the 50% mark, which is not good. Not good. So uh, at Solomonster is where you can go to vote in the poll. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, we've got Marcellus. Thank you for the super chat earlier. Lakers, Pats won. Cody against Omos at SummerSlam. I see the vision. Well, your vision must be uh, quite skewed. You should really go see an optometrist about that. Uh, Shin super kick Akuma with the $5 super chat. I was the Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointing at the TV saying Solomonster called that ouch Wardlow. Yeah, I, you know, it's just, it was just a feeling I had the other night. I said, as soon as I reviewed the match and I said he beat Samoa Joe, he won back the title, I said, I think he's dropping it on Wednesday. I think they're giving it to Hobbs. Nick Grosso, 1999, Super Chat. Hey, Nick, thank you. Says, loved the promo from Ruby Soho. She uh, said all the things I hoped she would, and we finally get a reason, but they need to stop with the spray paint. Ending was awful. Wardlow is buried, and the TNT title is worthless. Man, who got it worse this week? Wardlow or Austin Theory? Did, did uh, somebody let Theory's parents know? Did they did they inform the parents? 
about what happened to their son on Monday night? I love all the GWO emojis I'm seeing in the chat, by the way. The Sea of Green. I think every name I'm seeing is, is green. Except William. Ah, William. William and Akeem, you ruined it, man. But no. A lot of new channel members so far tonight, so thank you, guys. And everybody who's gifted memberships, too. Very kind of you. We are we are razor thin, getting very close to uh, a landmark number. Nice, big, fat, round number of, of members that we've never hit before on this channel, so uh, keep it up. Uh, Dick the Cock Johnson. QT Marshall with the babyface turn of the century. I wouldn't go that far. Roka Will 23. Hey Solo the Goat, do you think it's time for the Jericho Appreciation Society to disband? Also, isn't it strange that Daniel Garcia's push ended abruptly? That was the one thing that had my interest when it came to the JAS, is what they were doing with Garcia, and I thought they were going to have him be the one to take the Ring of Honor title away from Jericho. Excuse me. And uh, yeah, just they dropped the cold. Out of nowhere. So that was a uh, that was a pretty suspect booking decision, I would say. Hey, Retro KH, KOH, thank you for uh, becoming one of our new channel members. Luther Angel. Oh, should I? Wait, well, should I, do I think they should disband? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it kind of feels to me like we're in the final waning months of the JAS. I don't see them disbanding in the next uh, couple of months, but I think by this summer, I, you know, Jericho may be on to his, his third faction by then. He's already had two factions in this company so far. We have the Inner Circle, we have the JAS. So what comes next? What comes next? Who, who is he going to round up and pull in and, and latch on to next? I don't know. Uh, Luther Angel, wet fart ending to a decent show. 7 out of 10. Jay Baker. Tony Khan should be embarrassed. Poor Wardlow. Griga, Wardlow lost his title twice in one day. It's exactly right. Twice in less than 24 hours. Well, he made history. You could say at least he made history. Jacob Donnelly, congratulations to Scorpio Sky for no longer having the worst TNT title reign of all time. Poor Wardlow. Red Emissary of Darkness, All-Atlantic is now the Shazam International title. Ed Swoggle, GWO for life. That's right. M. Sund, they even took Wardlow's ponytail he had been carrying around in a Ziploc. <laughs> That's my God, you know what? I forgot about that. That's right. That's right. So Wardlow had his gear stolen, He had, including his boots. He had his title stolen, which he technically lost twice in 24 hours. And he had his ponytail chopped off. I mean, what, what more can happen to this man? Uh, Nord was the recipient of a gifted membership from our boy Bulu Fatulu. Bulu is spreading the love. The Mount Vernon Kid, $5 super chat. 
That finish in the main event was nearly uh, nearly threw up my salmon dinner. QT Marshall, disgusting. Maroa with the $10 super chat. I'm willing to give AEW the benefit of the doubt. QT's good on the mic and knows how to draw heat. They're very face-heavy right now. If they use QT as Hobbs' as manager and just that, I am fine with it. That's why I said at the end of the review, I said, let's see what happens next week. It looks like he'll be the mouthpiece and you know, the manager for Hobbs. Uh, I'm not against giving Hobbs a manager, but I don't know that uh, QT is necessarily the, the best one for the spot, but it was more just an issue of how the finish was done. That just felt completely flat and uh, killed what otherwise I thought was a fun main event. Storm Stop. Happy that Hobbs won the title, but I don't have much faith in Tony Khan's booking for him. Look what happened to Wardlow last year. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on as far as the TNT Championship is concerned. Uh, you know, it, it's just a weird. The, the the Wardlow booking. I know he was hurt for a little bit in January. That's why he took some time off, and they did the the write off with uh, Joe cutting his hair. Um. But that doesn't explain last year. Can't, you can't get off the hook for that booking last year. That booking was atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. Uh, Joseph Brooks. Buy, rent, sell. On who was the better announcer for those big main events? Gary, Michael, Capetta, Howard Finkel, or Michael Buffer? I am always a Howard Finkel guy. Howard Finkel, man, he just had that voice. Michael Buffer obviously was a very well-known ring announcer from boxing and just fighting the fight world in general. Uh, and I also like Gary Michael Capetta, but if I had a, I had to rank them, I'm I'm gonna buy on Finkel because I can't sell on Howard Finkel. I would go Finkel, Buffer, and then Capetta. I would have to sell Capetta. Uh, we are closing in on 480 likes, so we are 20 shy of the goal for Be The Booker. So who will be the final 20? Will you be one of them? Hit that thumbs up. Tyler Buckholes, 999 Super Chat, was at Dynamite tonight. Good show. Crowd went nuts for FTR in person. Very first AEW show. Highly recommended. Yeah, that reaction for FTR was insane. I mean, there was nobody more over on this show than Dax and Cash. Ray Wrighton with that 1999 that she dropped on me earlier. And Ray, I see Seth Rollins just popped up to vomit on your super chat. That was not intentional, I promise. Don't blame me, blame Ed Swoggle. Ray says, uh, I was late watching your Revolution review, but I still want to add on to the whole MJF kid situation, and I'll say this. Couldn't be my son and I. That show would have ended a little bit different. Great review as always. Well, I did say in the review that one of these days he's going to do something like that and you do that to the wrong person, to someone else's kid, and it may not end as well for him as, you know, as it did the other night. So I believe you, by the way. I've met Ray before. I believe her when she says that. I think... Had, had MJF done that to Ray and her child, I think that uh, MJF would have been picking up his teeth off the floor. 
Bulu Fatulu, Salamonster, tough guys don't pump gas, they deep fry chicken for a living. Why, what do you want? A leg or a wing, my man? I don't want a wing, because a wing has no meat on it. So, I want... I want a leg. Give me a leg. And make it mild and not spicy. Thank you, Bulu. Red Emissary of Darkness, the Blackpool Combat Club against the Dark Order is leading to blood and... Uh, I hope not. I hope not. Uh, the Mount Verdon Kid, I feel the logic of Ruby's turn is justified. Could have been done better with better signs. What say you? I, I thought that the explanation tonight was bang on. I thought that that was exactly what it needed to be. I thought she did a great job, and it all made sense. That's all. That's all I asked for. Uh, Rodimus Prime with the five dollars super chat. Uh, whack finish. QT Marshall sucks, but congrats to Powerhouse Hobbs on becoming the new TNT champ. And there's uh, our boy Maroa. I got to give Maroa the yes treatment. $50 super chat from Maroa. Seems like the Hangman versus Moxley feud will evolve into a blood and guts match between the Blackpool Combat Club and Dark Order sometime in April. Wouldn't surprise me if Brian returns and makes it four against four. Dark Order, not just Hangman, needs some wins to make them believable. I mean, we, we just saw Moxley and Hangman bleed and use every weapon that they could get their hands on and have the hardest of hardcore matches. I mean, do we really need to see them in a blood and gut? We just had blood and guts on Sunday. We already had blood and guts. So now you're going to throw in, uh, what, what, uh, Alex Reynolds and Evil Uno? I mean, this, by the way, I'm glad you brought this up. This is also what I'm talking about when I when I talk about the excess use of blood on these shows. They do a match once a year called Blood and Guts. And Blood and Guts would mean more if we didn't get Blood and Guts on television every fucking week. Everybody bleeds every single week, it feels like. Right? Certainly most weeks. Maybe not every week. Most weeks. We see Moxley bleeding. We, we, we've seen Jungle Boy bleeding. We've seen Danielson bleeding. We've seen MJF bleeding. We've seen Takeshita bleeding. I'm pretty sure that uh, Tony Schiavone got a paper cut on his finger and he was bleeding. So we get the blood on television every single week and we get the weapons and, the, and, and stuff. So when you get to blood and guts, it's like, so what? We see that on television every week. We already have the blood part. So they put a cage over them. Like, to me... It just, it, it takes away from what that match should be. Because we already get it every week on television. Another reason why I think they should dial it back. I'm fine with blood when it makes sense to use blood. You do a blood and guts match. It means nothing when you get it on television every week for free. Anyway, so who cares? Who cares? I guess blood and guts is free also. It's on TV. But geez, I mean, you know what I'm talking about here. Am I making sense? I think I'm making too much sense. So, hey, you want to build to a blood and guts match? Be my guest. We, we already saw it. You want to do it again? You want to rip each other apart? Do the same shit? I, I don't... I don't... Uh, 
I don't have any need for it. Uh, King Taco 86. First time donator, long time listener. Despite all the negativity you get from wrestling fans, I want to thank you for staying positive. No offense to Magic. Ooh. Uh, King Taco says that after I was just negative about the blood stuff. But yeah, you try to be positive, and I'm negative when I feel that you know I need to be negative. I call it like I see it. That's it. I try not to be overly this or overly that. I just say what's on my mind. I say what I feel. Uh, Bulu Fatulu, Solomonster. Is it, I am a certified chat nut. I'm just glad to have you back in the chat with us. Uh, Brandon Proctor with the 1992... Ric Flair Super Chat, moving to New Jersey in May, and I won't be far from the New York border, hoping to eventually make it to a hog show. We would love to have you. And if you ever show up and you see me, come say hello. I'll be there on Friday. Uh, Jordan Hitchner with the 499. You mentioned the other day that you... Uh, Stream and record enough to make a living. Are you still working in PR? Congrats on the success either way. Uh, yes. I am still working in PR as well. This is why I never have any free time. I'm always working. But, uh, Jordan, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Casper the Barbarian with the 499. Who has the biggest 180 wrestler you've ever seen? So... Started off trash and became good to great. Could be in-ring and or a character. I don't know. I'd have to... I would need time to really think about that. I mean, I think of... Wrestlers who were really bad and became uh, good to great. I, I don't want to say... I mean, Roman Reigns was not really bad. It was just like... Roman Reigns was miscast. You know what? I, when Roman Reigns was a babyface doing promos, he was pretty fucking terrible. And to see him then and to see him now, that's a huge 180. Like, I'm using Roman because he's the biggest star in the business right now. He's the biz- biggest example I could give in terms of modern-day wrestling. Just in terms of promos, I'm not even talking in-ring work necessarily, although his in-ring work has also improved. But just character-wise, promo-wise, that confidence level, uh, he's like a totally different person. Now, we're talking about Austin Theory getting torched on the mic the other night by John Cena in that promo. And it reminded me of the John Cena-Roman Reigns promo segment from 2017, and Cena just lit him up and embarrassed him in that promo. That Roman Reigns that we saw that night is just a totally different person than the Roman Reigns you would see in the ring today. So I'd say that's a pretty big 180. Goldberg is covered by AARP. One of my uh, favorite super chats. Who is that? God of Seduction? Bulu Fatulu. Tomorrow is the 26-year anniversary of Biggie's death. Rest easy, big player. 26 years. Holy shit. Yeah, Nicholas says Rock rock, rock as well. Rock's another example of someone who debuted as a babyface. They told him smile all the time. I, I can't put all the blame on him for that. But, you know, he was timid on some of his promos. He just wasn't used to it. And he grew into it. And look what he ended up turning into, right? 
So sometimes you just, it's experience. Sometimes you're miscast. Sometimes you just got to gain that confidence. And it's like a switch gets flipped and you become a totally different human being. Uh, the Yatagaratsu Beast on the Tracks dropped an $18 Bane Super Chat. I'm actually intrigued to see the type of promos Moxley cuts as a heel. Not sure who he feuds with after Page now. Uh, Lesh- well, you know what? Before I move on here. We're going to see Ricky Starks against Juice Robinson, it looks like. Moxley against Ricky Starks could be an interesting program at some point. With Starks at the end of the program, however many matches they have, you know, going over in the end. Uh, because Moxley was the most pushed, most protected star in that company all of last year. So if Ricky was to work with him, yeah, the only problem is, that's not a, well, I guess it depends on how you look at it. You know, is it a, is it a problem if they just have, uh, you know, the, the, the garbage hardcore matches and, and now he's got Ricky bleeding in every match and everything. But I still think that would be uh, big for Starks to be able to work with Moxley and then beat him in the end. Because I see Starks going on eventually. He could be AEW World Champion. You know, he, him, I have him in the, on my short list of people come next year. And I still think MJF will be champion next year. Who could beat MJF and take that title from MJF? So between now and then, it's going to be very important for him to rack up big wins against big names. He did against Jericho. That's great. Maybe he can feud with Moxley and beat Moxley. Right, so the more people like that that he can beat, the bigger he'll get, and eventually I I could see him being the one to take that title from MJF. I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying that he's on my short list of people who I could see doing. Uh, Lashawn says, "What bump was worse, Cody's chair shot to the head or him going headfirst onto the steel stage?" Oh, the the chair shot from Sean Spears was brutal. I got to go with the chair shot. Uh, M Sund Destination Catering. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, Dick the Cock Johnson with a 999. Predicting Jade's open challenge will be accepted by Taya Valkyrie. And after Jade beats her, Chris Statlander will return to set up her against Jade in Long Island on April 5th, where Jade finally loses. I've been saying Statlander's name for months and months that she should be the one even before she got hurt even before it looked like that was the direction they were starting in my mind was Chris Statlander ends up with that TBS title the problem is I had people telling me and reminding me recently that she's probably not going to be ready to come back for several more months Uh, maybe not until early summer mid-summer I just don't remember the exact date that she had her surgery and that's probably about a nine-month layoff. So I don't know. I don't know that April's going to work necessarily. I would love it. I think that would be fantastic in her backyard. 
that would be a huge moment. I just don't know if the timeline works out. Uh, the Mount Vernon kid, I was thinking Lufisto. She's from Montreal, maybe to challenge Jade Cargill. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, now we're just picking random uh, random people who happen to be from Canada. I was <clears throat> trying to think of any women specifically from Winnipeg, but I don't know any. That's why I said Taya. I know Taya's from Canada. James Hollins, I love AEW, but the commentary on this show is awful. Almost worse than Sunday. Yeah, Tony Schiavone and Taz were uh, going at it there at the beginning of the show. And uh, I know they're uh, pretty good friends, but it was, uh, it was a little weird. The way they were they were going at each other early on in the program. M-Sun says, uh, Jaff Nuts. Thank you, M-Sun. Magician Sapphire, $5 super chat. I hope Wardlow losing is leading to a longer feud with Hobbs and helps restore value back to the TNT Championship because he is booked like a dirt. He is booked like a dirt? Or do you mean like dirt? I'll assume you mean like dirt. Uh, Zachariah back again. I gotta give props to Triple H for the backstage Easter eggs he's been dropping, like Cody having a chat with KO in the background, and I like that element he's added. Remember, rule number 32 in Zombie Land. Enjoy the little things. Indeed. Zachariah. Uncle Saudi is joining us here, just popped up on screen. Always good to see Uncle Saudi. I haven't heard from Uncle Saudi in a few weeks. Usually he calls, but uh, he's been a little busy lately. He's uh, deep in negotiations for something. He won't tell me what. He's just telling me there's a big deal in the works. Can't tell me what it is, though, so I, I don't know. I don't know. He's been in Connecticut all week long. Uh, Justin Hesse with the 499 enjoying several adult beverages from my Solomonster Sounds Off mug from Zazzle. See, you're drinking in style. You and I both are drinking in style. If you want one of these uh, double-sided uh, mugs here, by the way, uh, you can find them. You go to uh, thesolomonster.com. Go to the very bottom link. And it says, uh, if you want to get mugged, click that link and you can get your own Sound Off mug. Uh, JM with the $5 Super Chat. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If MJF doesn't invite you to his rebar mitzvah, then he is a coward. I'll say it right now if he doesn't invite me to his bar mitzvah, he's a coward. Uh, Bryant Finley with the $10 Super Chat. I uh, don't understand why so many people are downvoting. The show was pretty good except for the ending. It should have been Joe who cost him the title and kayfabe broke into his car. Joe did post something on Twitter. He posted a tweet saying, does anybody know how to get broken glass out of a, uh, a balaclava? <laughs> so he was he was leaning into it, but I, I thought that was just him stirring shit. I, di I didn't necessarily think that it was going to be part of the, uh, an actual angle. Ed Swoggle, buy or sell MSG pay-per-view set, SummerSlam 98 or Royal Rumble 2000? A Royal Rumble 2000 by far. I love that Royal Rumble with the taxi cab above the entranceway. I love that. I love that entrance. 
Uh, Jesus Gomez, want to say thank you for introducing me to ExpressVPN. That thing is a lifesaver when it comes to these AEW pay-per-views. You are quite welcome. Uh, I know uh, a number of people have actually been able to use uh, ExpressVPN. Use our code, of course. You can get three extra months free. And uh, yes, they have used it for the the AEW pay-per-views. And uh, if ever you wonder what the link is, by the way, and want to check it out, or if you're thinking about a VPN or whatever, get three free months. Why not? I always have the links in the description down below. So you can always find the ExpressVPN link down there. Uh, God of Seduction, Corbin or Wardlow? They neutered Wardlow. Buy or sell, my God. Buy or sell on Corbin or Wardlow? I'm, I'm still going to buy on Wardlow because Wardlow is actually still over. He's just not over at the level he used to be. Corbin has never been over, except when he was a bum and he was broke. And even then, he still was not as over as Wardlow is. So, of course, I'm going to buy on Wardlow. Solomonster has a huge following from Lithuania. I actually do. I actually have uh, a number of listeners in Lithuania, believe it or not. JM with that $50 super chat drop from about 10 minutes ago. Uh, My Thunder Rosa going Thunder Lips and being the third did not pan out onto Statlander. Stats like Stat likes face paint. Sting can paint her face and turn her into pro stat. And have her sit in the nosebleeds until she is ready. Uh, good work by Ruby tonight. Sting Statlander sitting up in the rafters. It's interesting. JM, thank you again, brother. I appreciate that. Rizzo just realized with backlash announced for Puerto Rico on May. It's, well, it's May sixth actually. Uh, WrestleMania is the last stateside PLE until SummerSlam in my backyard of Detroit. I think it's smart to spread these PLEs around. Uh, that is true because we have um, Backlash in Puerto Rico. We have King and Queen of the Ring in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. We have Money in the Bank from the O2 in London. And then we have SummerSlam in August from uh, Ford Field in Detroit, the site of WrestleMania 23. So unless they add something in June... Uh, that probably, yeah, I guess that would be. WrestleMania would be the last stateside pay-per-view until SummerSlam. And uh, I'll talk more about that story on the podcast on uh, Sunday. As far as the uh, the backlash announcement, Bad Bunny, and uh, all of that. Uh, Dr. Dakota Scorpio, at this point... They are stealing our colors and our gimmick. Our GWO was long-term booking. That started back around September. Also, we don't use spray cans. Of course not. You guys aren't that unoriginal. Uh, Rizzo with the $20 Super Chat. Rizzo, my goodness, Rizzo. Thank you. As always, I will listen to the podcast on Sunday. Will the CNBC story of WWE looking to legalize gambling for their matches be talked about? Uh, yes, it will. Uh, we will cover that on the show on on Sunday. That is a uh, that is an interesting story. 
Uh, Clone Force 99. Solomonster, is there any way Vince can be removed again or be forced to retire because he needs to go? I am so angry that he is back. Well, the thing Clone Force is that he never left. He's just more freely showing his face now. Uh, but to answer your question, no. There's nothing that could be done. Dr. Dakota Scorpio, Soraya apparently wants AEW women's tag team titles. And I say for I, I say for most wrestling fans, that don't work for us, sister. Yeah, there there is no need for AEW women's tag team titles. Let's uh let's shut that shit down right now. There's no reason for WWE women's tag team titles. The way that uh, so-called division is, let alone uh, AEW women's tag team. Uh, Wink the Cosmic Grandma. How close is Brian Daniels, uh, Brian Danielson, to Mount Rushmore status? He is so freaking good and always gets me emotionally involved in his work. Well, I mean, it's a it's a subjective thing. I I would tell you that for me, you know, when he finally retires and calls it a day, you know, he would be under consideration. I mean, he has been one of the best in the world now for such an extended period of time. And you can't look at Danielson and say, well, he was only a good wrestler, right? He was never a larger than life star because he didn't have the size and he, you know, he wasn't the rock or stone cold, but he did have a run where even against the wishes of the company, the fans took to him and they rallied behind him in ways that we hadn't seen in many, many years. And it ended up with him going into the main event of WrestleMania and winning the championship. So, you you know, he as great of a wrestler as he was, he also had that other intangible element to him where he genuinely got over in a very big way organically with the audience in a way that not very many guys are able to get over. So his body of work, and then so then he leaves WWE after that incredible run he had in Ring of Honor. He had an incredible run in WWE, sometimes in spite of the company. And now he goes to AEW, and he's been tearing it up in AEW. So, yeah, I would say he's going to end up on a lot of people's Mount Rushmore's. He may end up on mine. He's not done yet. You know, he's, he's closer to the end, I think, than he is the beginning of his career. But he's not done yet. He's still, even after all these years, as good as he is. It's incredible. It's an incredible body of work that he has been able to put together. That's why, that's why he has an award named after him in the Observer, the Brian Danielson Award. You know who won the Brian Danielson Award this year? Brian Danielson. <laughs> Taylor says a solid B plus player. Come on now. Come on now. He's better. He's better than that. He's better than B plus. Uh, so the likes gold tonight for be the Booker. Uh, was 500, and uh, we have surpassed that. Although I think I think you guys can uh, can do 550. I think you guys can do even better than that. But yes, we have broken our goal. So I thank you for the likes. That will help uh, immensely. The more the more the merrier when it comes to getting the video into people's recommendeds on YouTube. Let's beat the algorithm. Hit that like button. Uh, let's go ahead and be the booker. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to be the Booker. Oh, it's been a very mixed bag. Mostly bad. More than good when it's come to be the Booker in recent days, but I hope we have a a 
good one tonight, especially because we're not going to be here Friday night. So we need to have a good Be the Booker tonight. I'm feeling lucky. I'm not a gambling man, but I'm feeling lucky. Let me see those. Let me see those Be the Booker emojis, the BTB emojis with our members in the chat. Let's get those Be the Booker emojis going. We kick things off here with Jim Cornette, who looks like he just got done watching the Texas death match from Revolution between John Moxley and Hangman Adam Page. <laughs> he looks exasperated by something. Let's see who Corny is uh, going to be stepping into the ring with. Jim Cornette going to be going one-on-one with the Macho Man, Randy Savage. <laughs> oh, Cornette, Cornette and Savage. While, while it would be amusing to see Cornette taking bumps for Savage as a match... Surely we can uh, give the Macho Man a better opponent. Oh boy. Cornette and Savage. On the women's side, we begin with Peyton Royce of the Iconics. What has she been up to, by the way? I haven't heard anything about the Iconics. I know they were the inspiration, right, in Impact, and then they left. And I don't know what they've been doing since. Uh, are they doing a podcast? Are they wrestling? What are they doing? I haven't heard about them. I know uh, she and Sean Spears had a, a baby a number of months ago. So she is a new mama. I know that. So I guess she I guess she wouldn't be wrestling if that's the case. I don't know what Billy Kay is up to. It'd be kind of funny if we land on Billy Kay right now. It'll be Peyton Royce going one-on-one with Jamie Hayter. I can't hate on Hayter. Can't hate on Jamie Hayter. We love Jamie Hayter. Hayter hits hard. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. So there you go. Jamie Hayter and Peyton Royce. Give that the bell. Now we check the tag team be the booker, and this is the big uh, grand finale here. We are one for one going into the main event. And we begin with the Rock and Roll Express. Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton, one of the greats of all time. One of the great all-time tag teams here. The Rock and Roll Express. Now they need to get the Midnight Express into the Hall of Fame. That's what they need to do. You think Cornette would go? What do you think? They came to Cornette and said, hey, we want to put you in the Midnights in the Hall of Fame. You think he'd say yes? Even if he didn't want to, you think for the sake of the Midnights, would he say yes? And who would induct them? Who would induct them? That's actually the better question. I guess they could maybe get Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson to do the induction. Triple H is an old school guy, too, so 
I could see him going to Cornette and saying, hey, I want to put you in the Midnights in the Hall of Fame. It'll be the Rock and Roll Express taking on the APA. Ron Simmons in there with Ricky Morton. I like that match. Rock and Roll Express in the APA. I think I'd buy a ticket. If they were coming to my town, I think I'd buy a ticket to see that match. So there you go. All right. We had it. We finally, we got, we got a good one. We got a good be the booker here. Two out of three. Two out of three. That's better than we've been doing. Uh, Drew McIncog, $1.99. Buy or sell on who could have been the champion? Pope? Monty Brown. Monty Brown. I thought Monty Brown was a uh, future world champion, big star, would have eventually gone on to WWE. And uh, he had a personal issue. I think something happened to his sister, and he had to take care of her children, and that was it. He manned up. He had uh, family responsibilities that he felt were and, and had to be the priority in his life at that time, and he left wrestling. And he left, I think, what would have been a very lucrative, very successful career. Because that guy, man, he had charisma for fucking days. I mean, he was he was definitely on the rise. He was going places. And the pounce, right? He had the, remember the Monty Brown pounce? He'd knock you halfway across the ring. So it's too bad. But again, you know, I have respect for the guy because he was somebody who had his priorities his priorities straight. Uh, he was Marcus Corvon in ECW. That's right. He did come back. He did come back. But that was many years later, though. When he was really first getting over in TNA, what year would that have been? Was that like 2000? Was that like 2004? Like around that period? Because the Marcus the Marcus Corvan thing came many years later, and again, I don't know. He, I don't think he was there very long, so I don't know what led to him uh, leaving. But you know, when he was when he was first getting over and first really making a name for himself, you know, that was when I think he had the greatest potential of of being noticed and going on to be you know, like a world champion and be a big deal. And it just didn't happen. 2005. Okay. Yeah. And the Marcus Corvon thing would have been like 2000. What? What year would that have been? Couldn't have been. It couldn't have been right after that though. Right. I mean, he, he did. He did leave. Maybe, maybe it was like 2008, 2009, maybe. I don't know. I I, did, I try not to pay too much attention to the WWE version of uh, ECW. Uh, Brian Finley. Actually, we uh, we missed a few here. A one arm gamer. One arm gamer just became a uh, channel member. A sound off superstar. One arm gamer. He's such a big gamer. He's all you need is one, right? All you need is one. As long as you have one arm for the controls, that's all you need. LaShawn C. Is Dijak the only six foot five guy doing springboards? Uh, WWE that I know of. I guess maybe uh, Damian Priest does that step over dive. Do you want to consider that a springboard? And Priest, Priest has got to be at least six five. But 
Dijak is is definitely one of the few. I won't say he's the only one, but he's one of the few. Uh, Brian Finley, have you heard the story about Stan Lane possibly being Lauren Boebert's father? Apparently, the lab scientist who did the paternity test was corrupt. There have been rumors about that. Again, I don't know how legitimate that is. Uh, kind of like Lauren Boebert, I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't know if there's any truth to it or not. And uh, I doubt very seriously that uh, Stan Lane would uh, would want to have anything to do with that regardless. Uh, Rizzo with the two bucks. The chat is giving me a hard time, but yes, I would. All right, so Mar- Marcus Corvan left in 08 because of that family issue. So he so he was in impact the entire time or did he leave? See, I'm I'm all confused now on the timeline on the timeline there because I don't remember him being in impact through 2007 or 2008. So was there a gap in between his employment in TNA and WWE? I'm I'm a little confused now. It's been a it's been a while since I've uh Heard the name Monty Brown, so I'll have to go back and refresh my memory on that. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Rizzo. I read Rizzo. God of Seduction. Cody has no such... I thought you said no such momentum. Cody has so much momentum. I was about to go off on you. Uh, Cody has so much momentum. Can he lose and be okay? I think he can. It would hurt... But I, I think I think he can, yes. I don't think it's a situation where he would be lugered where there's just no coming back from it. So I think he'll be okay. Okay, so he joined WWE in 2006-2007 and left wrestling in 2008. All right, so then it was in WWE. I, see, I thought the family issue came up when he was still in, because um, I had forgotten about the ECW thing. So again, he didn't spend much time then in WWE before the family issue. I still I still think he would have been he would have been a lot bigger than he turned out to be. You know, sometimes and again, I don't even remember him being bad in the ring. It's just that he had so much charisma. And if they could have tapped into that in a big way, I think that uh he could have been a huge babyface for them. Not in ECW. I'm talking on the main WWE roster. So on uh, Friday, uh, just so you're aware, there will be no uh, SmackDown stream. I mentioned this the other night. There will be no SmackDown stream on Friday. Uh, We will resume our normal streams on Monday. I'm not happy about missing it, but we have a House of Glory show. Uh, I will be there. I don't believe this show is streaming uh, on Fight, so if you want to go to the show, you'll have to buy a ticket. Uh, I, I will be there, though, so I will not be here on Friday. So if you're wondering, where's the SmackDown stream, that would be why. Got our uh, With Glory Comes Pride show. The NYC Arena in Queens. Tickets are still on sale. And again, if you see me at the building, if you're there, say hello. But again, we'll be back with the live streams on Monday. Uh, Thunder Force 2000, which I quit match is harder to watch? Rock Mankind or Vince and Stephanie? I don't think I've watched Vince and Stephanie a single time since it originally aired in 2003. But uh, that one was just weird. That one was, that one was a, Vince McMahon is a weird fucking guy. And he's got some very serious issues. And 
you know, the, the Rock Mankind one to me was harder to watch just because the chair, the repeated chair shots of the head and knowing afterwards that it wasn't supposed to be that way. Mick's family being there and his kids having to watch that. That, that one was harder to watch. The Vince Stephanie thing was just weird, you know, and just stupid. Uh, Rizzo, I know how the Smurfette fan in this chat feels now. LOL. Good night chat. Oh, you're going to incur his wrath when he watches this back. Don't be speaking ill of Food Hive now. I bet Vince enjoyed them. Oh, yeah, I'll bet he enjoyed that match. Anyway, uh, this has been fun. Uh, thank you for uh, all the super chat love. Thank you for all of the new channel memberships. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, tonight, I believe we have added in excess of 30 new channel members. Is that, is that, that can't be right. No, I think it is. I believe we've added over 30 new channel members tonight, which is incredible. And with that, we may have actually set that record I was talking about earlier. I think, I think we did. So uh, I thank you for that. That was unexpected. So that's awesome. And uh, our little GWO continues to expand. So as we uh, wrap up here, let me see those uh, green World Order emojis in the chat. I will be back with you live next Monday for the Monday Night Raw review. Of course, this Sunday will be episode 799. That's only one away from 800. 799 of the sound off coming up this Sunday on all of the usual podcast platforms, talking all the news of the week. And of course, SmackDown, since I'm not going to be reviewing it live on uh, Friday night. So until then, be well, stay safe. Thank you, Solo. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And uh, I will see you back here very soon for more sound off. Until then, take care, guys.